Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This day, we see clearly. I don't know where I was going with this. I didn't. I didn't think of a punchline to this bit. Edge may have had his last match ever. Maybe his last match in WWE. Definitely his last match in Toronto. Probably. But what a match it was, and we are here to discuss that and so much more from this episode of SmackDown. I am Tempest, your host of the Russell Talk podcast review of SmackDown, alongside my lovely and wonderful co-host Sat E Niangi. Sat, what's causing all this? Oh, guys, welcome to a lovely Sat E day. It's Sat E time on Sat E TV. <laughs> Because it's the same time, same channel. What channel is it? WrestleTalk Podcast channel. That's Subscribe if you haven't already. Exactly. What's causing all this? Good question. What's causing all this is Adam Copeland or Adam Edge Copeland. What is his contract situation? They said it's expired. But the question that everyone's asking on, I want to say Twitterland, on Xverse. I don't know what this place is called. On Xland. The question is... Well, Adam Edge Copeland, turn up to Wembley for All In. Even though Christian's not booked for All In. But will he turn we'll up? figure that part out later. Yeah, everyone's fantasy booking matches because a, a lot of people are thinking uh, nowadays WWE career is wrapped up. You can go to all, um, all In and go into AEW. But there's other people thinking he could potentially still uh, continue wrestling for a shorter amount of dates till next year. So what's causing all this is we think we know him. You think you know him? Oh, you think you know me? But we don't know what's on his mind. We just don't know what's on Edge's mind. We don't know what's on Edge's mind. And we are going to get into this and so much more here. So make sure, of course, that you like this video. Give it a thumbs up. Make sure that you subscribe to the Wrestle Talk podcast channel if you haven't already. And ring that bell to stay notified. We are going to be starting with Edge, of course, because on this show... There were a number of video packages hyping up 25 years of Edge making his uh, 25th anniversary appearance here on this show. My goodness, some of these video packages were so expertly done. Mm -hmm. The one that started with him in the crowd for a Bret Hart interview in like the mid-90s, full-on Kentucky waterfall mullet going 
talking about how he was training to wrestle and what advice Brett could give him, etc. All things I've seen before, of course, being the big edge fan that I am. This was so expertly done. And we talked about this last week, how the edge and Sheamus dynamic leading into this match was so fun because mm-hmm. there was so much authenticity to it. They talked about, you know, the uh, Sheamus more or less bringing edge out of retirement inadvertently and edge giving Sheamus the advice that he needed to continue his wrestling career years beforehand. So this is all very raw, very real, very emotional. And they followed that up with one of their best video packages in a good long while, very fun stuff. And it then led to our main event, the main event in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Tempest country, Tempest country, edge country. That was Edge versus Sheamus. And what a main event match this was. I thought this match was just tremendous. Like, they put so much into this match. This wasn't like just a fun TV main event that you enjoy as it's on, and then they all kind of blur together afterwards. They were kicking out of finishers. They were kicking out of highly protected finishers. They went all the way with this match. They pro- If this is Edge's last match in any form, no matter what level it is, they gave him all the stops here. Loads of fun stuff in this match. They went back and forth. Edge hit a spear through the ropes to the outside to go into a commercial break. They come back. He hits a superplex on Sheamus that then he rolls through and hits the education for a near fall. Really good there. Sheamus puts him in the uh, the clover leaf as he had to fight. Beth Phoenix is in the crowd there with his kids, and they're they're she's emotional for many reasons, I'm sure. Ron Hutchison was in the crowd as well. Edge's trainer was sat next to her. Beth Phoenix trainer as well. In fact, yeah. they have that in common. So all the stars were out for Edge in uh, Toronto, including my best friend was there, and he got me an Edge T-shirt because he's yeah. a real one. This was. Phenomenal. They started hitting finishers. Mm-hmm. I guess the execution at one point was a finisher, but you get my gist. Edge got hit with a white noise off the middle rope, and then the high cross, the razor's edge type move, mm. that Sheamus used to use as a finish, but I think too many people got hurt from it. And really? Yeah, it's Lance Storm always pointed it out as like a, one of those concussion oh. worry moves because like your neck whips back a lot when you take that. So, understandably, stop using. But he broke it out here. And Edge kicks out. And nobody kicks out of the Razor's Edge. One of the most protected finishers in WWE history. He kicks out of that. Big pop. Sheamus hits him with a brogue kick. After doing the clubbering forearm thing, Sheamus is getting booed. But it's that kind of like, he's playing opposite the hero. So he's Mm. playing the part of the heel as opposed to actually just being a heel. He hits the clubbering forearm blows. He hits a brogue kick. She- uh, Edge kicks out. Edge hits a spear for a near fall and then just sets up, hits a second spear for the finish. This match was so much fun. Afterwards, there's Pyro Ballyhoo. He and Sheamus hug as the show goes off the air. And then afterwards, he talks in the ring, says he doesn't know what his future holds, says he has to talk with his family, figure out what they want to do, but this is the last match he's going to have in Toronto because he doesn't have another calendar year in him. This is really good stuff. And then he and Sheamus went and had a Guinness backstage because, hell yeah, lads be fighting. What did you think of all this, Sat? 
Well, I felt like, like you said, if his, uh, his last match, what our last match would go off on, I also wrote down that he bust off a crossbody. I don't remember the last time I seen Edge do a crossbody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's how special the match was. Um, I, again, you get a lot of people on social media saying, oh, you know, if this is retirement, why are they not doing X, Y, Z? Uh, as some of you are forgetting, he's done a retirement speech and tour before. So it, it's kind of like if he did a second one, it probably wouldn't feel for him as authentic as the first one. He, he's like, you'll be going through the same emotions again. It's kind of like getting remarried <laughs> after divorcing the first time. It's kind of like, oh, it's not, it's that sheen is not there. He's like, oh, you're going through the emotion. You've done it before. He's done it before. He's done it before. If you want to see a retirement speech, go go on YouTube and find his old one. Uh, and just enjoy this match for what it was. He got the confetti. I mean, he got the pyro. Sorry, not confetti. He got the pyro. Um, I don't know. A part of me was thinking, I ain't gonna lie, until I woke up this morning and saw the results, I was thinking, oh, Sheamus is gonna beat him up, innit? Sheamus is gonna turn heel. <laughs> Edge is gonna win. Sheamus gets mad, beats him up. His kids are there. Beth crying. What a heel thing to happen. And when I heard that it was on the up and up, you know, I was like, okay, I guess... Edge is done. But he said he's done in Toronto. I just, again, I don't know. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like everyone else. I'm like you. We're all speculating. We just have to wait and see in the next few weeks or, or months or what news will come out. But yeah, but as of right now, thank you, Edge. Thank you for coming out of retirement. Thank you for attempting to reinvent the wheel a bit. Judgment Day. You gave us Judgment Day. You gave us a cool theme. Uh, I was one of the people that was still on, on the bandwagon for Edge's Judgment Day. I just was rooting that he would figure out what he wanted to do with the group, but obviously got kicked out. And, you know, he's part of the evolution of Dominic. So he's been part of good things. Yes, he didn't <laughs> job. <laughs> people say he did job quite a lot. I mean, yeah, it's the Foley uh, mentality we have for a lot of wrestlers. You know? It's like, kind of like if you're going out, you know, Finn Balor could have, you know, that Hell in a Cell match would have helped him a lot. Saying, but besides that, hey, you got to team up with Beth Phoenix. That was great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you know the grit couple. We we got some great stuff out of it, and his match with Seth from me is probably my favorite of his comeback. And I also liked the dynamic he had with Roman uh, going into it was it Money in the Bank, Money in the Bank, yeah. I like the fact that he kept snapping chairs and using, yeah, the, yeah and then you know. Giving people the the, the was it? I wanted the Glasgow smile, but he's just he made people bite into steel. Like there, there's some cool things he did. It's kind of like some people hated uh, his his feud with Randy Orton. So looking back on his second run, I would say he's mostly been successful because he's never out and out embarrassed himself. Yeah, that first WrestleMania match, especially during the pandemic, was long. So someone whoever agent agented that match needed a slap on the wrist for that. But besides that, I like his match with Randy on on at Backlash. Mm-hmm. He didn't live up to a Monaco great match ever but in terms of WWE style they're two of the, the greatest to you know to, to apply their trade so um, yeah Edge has given us a lot so I'll miss him if he's not going to wrestle in, in WWE or if he's done but if he goes to All In or in you know Reunite with Christian somehow in AEW I ain't going to complain either and I also miss the Edge and Christian show so yeah. there you go I, I mean I completely agree if I look back on this run of Edge first of all I'm very sad that half of it had to take place during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 wrestlers in WWE that maybe had the biggest moments taken away from them with the pandemic are like you know Drew McIntyre and Edge, where it's like yeah you only get one time to win your first WWE championship and it's in a warehouse, <sighs> but you only get one chance to come back from retirement at being out for eleven years or however yeah nine years I think it was. 
So I felt bad that that WrestleMania moment had to be what it was. But otherwise, I think Edge has had a very good run in all this. I think the rivalry he had with Seth Rollins produced a lot of very, very good matches. All three I thought were great. He did really good business with that. There were some times where I looked at it and be like, there's only so many matches this guy's going to wrestle. Why is he mm. wrestling The Miz, for example? You know, I would have liked to have seen him be able to have a big TV match with like a Kevin Owens or something like that. There were loads of matches that I had kind of hoped would happen that didn't. Wait, the match for Kevin didn't happen. I don't think so. Kevin Owens, he he had like a steel cage match at the Madison Square Garden house show with Kevin Owens, but I don't think they ever wrestled on TV. There you go. Whoever watched the Madison Square Garden, you're lucky. lucky you're people. lucky. Lucky. Real lucky. Lucky. But anywho, mm -hmm. I think you can look back on this run that Edge has had and be really happy with how it's turned out, with the fact that it has happened at all. I will never in my life forget him coming out at the Royal Rumble, that will forever be enshrined as one of the great Royal Rumble moments ever. Maybe Amen. the greatest Amen. Royal Rumble moment ever. Certainly in the conversation. He has made going out on his own terms feel so earned through the last three plus years. This guy deserves everything that he is getting with this run. If this is his last match, period, if he decides to go to AEW and do one match, few matches, however many matches he wants to do, he is more than earned that right. This is him getting to write the way he goes out after he didn't yeah. get to do it the first time. My hat goes off to Edge. He is my favorite wrestler. I feel very strongly about his legacy. I think he is one of the best to ever do this thing. He is my guy. And I was telling you in the office before we came down that I was at SummerSlam 2019 in Toronto. And during the pre-show, there's like two or three pre-show matches on. I think one of them was Buddy, Ma Buddy Murphy versus Oni Lorcan for the Cruiserweight title and gets interrupted in a few minutes by Eric Rowan. So I'm not enthused. It was like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics for the women's tag titles or something. Not the the best, most elaborate booked pre-show by any means. But the last thing on the pre-show was Elias coming out and talking smack about Toronto. He was saying, ha-ha, I'm going to go to, to L.A. after this like my boy Kawhi Leonard did. Boo! How dare you? Kawhi Leonard, I still love you. And who should interrupt this man but Edge? And this is when Edge comes out and hits the first spear that he'd hit since he got injured. And this is where, if you've seen his documentary and everything, he's just like, eh, this is where it's starting. Like, he went out there, did it, and then got cleared and everything. But he's, the rumbling started at that SummerSlam. And to be able to be there for that, and to have the immediate switch of me just sitting there just kind of like, man, I am not into this pre-show. Can't wait for this this main show to start to hit You Think You Know Me and have me jump three feet out of my chair just for an appearance, for one move, just to be like, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. I love this man. I love him dearly. I feel very fortunate to have gotten to see him wrestle live more than once. Saw him last year with the Damien Priest match. 
as well as a house show match where he beat Dolph Ziggler in a Toronto street fight in a house show. He used a hockey stick and hit a waffle at him. Hockey, hey. Toronto. Those in the know will know. But this guy, if this is him going out, my hat goes off to him for an amazing, amazing career. Could have said it better myself, yeah. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're going to get into the rest of our SmackDown review because SmackDown opened with the Grayson Waller effect, this time with Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. So Grayson Waller hops on the mic and he, he's doing his usual st- his shtick. It's just what the Grayson Waller effect is where he just kind of like irri- is mildly irritating for the, the people he has on. He gets cut off and then they do the actual angle that they're trying to set up. And that's what we had here. He was antagonizing the LWO, saying that Rey Mysterio took Santos Escobar's spot and, and such. Santos Escobar tells him to shut up. Says, Cállate. I know that one. And they the, the segment kind of breaks down. They get interrupted by Austin Theory. Austin Theory comes down to the ring and says, Oh, this isn't fair, Adam Pierce. You get out here. I want my match for the U.S. title. I'm going to win. The, the forever reign will continue. 
And Adam Pierce comes out and he says, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, and then L.A. Knight comes out. Yeah. Yeah. L.A. Knight comes out and he cuts what I thought was a really good little promo because you start to see in moments like this how there has been a switch in his behavior. If, if this was the L.A. Knight of maybe six months ago, he would have come out and eviscerated every single person in the ring. Whereas this time, he says, you know, congrats, Ray, on winning the U.S. title, but make no mistake, eventually it's going to come around the waist of L.A. Knight. So he's still very, making it very clear that it is his goal to take that thing from him, but he's not burying Ray. He's not making fun of him. He's not being a heel. He's being a lot more babyface-like than he had been. He says, let's do... He says that Austin Theory fumbled the ball. And if that ain't the goddamn truth with this U.S. title run, I don't know what is. But he says, let's do a U.S. number one contenders match right now. And they say, okay, let's do it. You're dressed to compete. I'm dressed to compete. Let's compete. So they have this match to open up SmackDown. It was a good little TV match, I thought. Entertaining stuff. The Miz is on commentary here. And the Miz was throwing massive shade at L.A. Night. He said he was Fandango without tap shoes. Said he was Eugene without crayons said that he was just the next doink, which it's very harsh words, but they go on. The Miz, Corey Graves, Kevin Patrick, all on the same desk. My mind was exploding. But this was a fun little match. Good little TV opener. Nothing fantastic by any means, but well worked. And unfortunately, the logical finish was not the one that I wanted to see because, you know... Eventually, after a lot of fighting going on at ringside by the announce table with L.A. Knight throwing Austin Theory's head on the table over and over again, Miz just yapping away at him. Eventually, Austin Theory gets thrown into the Miz. And L.A. Knight goes, goes back in the ring. The Miz goes into the ring. L.A. Knight clotheslined him over the top, took him a couple tries. And in the ensuing distraction, Austin Theory rolled him up, grabbed the tights to get the win. Now, I do not endorse the act of Austin Theory pinning L.A. Knight under any circumstances. But this was a finish that, like, made sense, if that's something that you care about, which I do, so it's very conflicting. <laughs> because, yes, I imagine they'll give Austin Theory a rematch for the U.S. title, yeah. maybe at Payback or something like that, mm -hmm. and I would like to think he'll lose that and then move on to something else so we can actually enjoy this U.S. title reign. But I think eventually L.A. Knight probably has a U.S. title reign in his future. Yeah. I don't know how long you have to wait because I think Santos Escobar is the right person to beat Rey Mysterio. True. At some point, not in the immediate future either. But this is how things are shaping up for right now. Yeah. You know what? I do feel like you probably have a, a, a succession of who's going to be United States champion. I mean, now that a Fury, Austin Fury has lost it and Rey Mysterio is champion, I can see Santos turning heel and winning it. And a heel Santos against a babyface LA Knight makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to the Grayson Waller effect, what I enjoyed about that interview was the fact that Grayson Waller himself has had run in with legends. So he started accusing Rey Mysterio of being the same glory hogging legends that's stopping the young guys from progressing. Because you could even argue that Grayson Waller hasn't been successful in his matches because in his mind, these, these uh, egotistical legends are just like that, that won't, you know, step to one side. So I, I like that character development. And then that bitterness is what drove the interview because he's trying to drive a wedge between Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio too by using the same methods. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy the fact. I enjoy that like there's a storyline progression within the host. Even though he's designed to cause chaos or mischief, that kind of failed because it, it, the LWO showed a united front. 
But it's also, we were talking about in the office how the original LWO were basically WCW's version of Kai and Tai, for lack of a better term. Like they weren't really respected, gifted guys in, on their own, but collectively put together to be made fun of in, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. So Rey Mysterio winning the title, part of LWO, actually elevates the stock of LWO compared to how it was originally back in the days. So, yeah. In the actual match itself, LA Knight coming out, you're right. His demeanor's changed. It's quite, it's quite weird. I'll just say he's a tweener at the moment. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. it kind of reminds me of, again, because he's been compared to this guy. But it reminds me of '98 Rock post SummerSlam '98, where for some weird reason he's not hanging out with his group anymore. But he's getting these loud reactions, and he's been treated like a baby face, and he's wrestling like a baby face. But we haven't officially seen the turn yet. So that's the same thing that's happened with LA Knight, where he's now feuding with you know people like Austin Theory and the Miz, people that people don't like for you know for obvious reasons and um yeah his match with austin fury i, I enjoyed it because i i hate it that la knight has this um allegations that he can't work when mm-hmm. he does a lot of cool things he's very athletic i feel like the way he wrestles is like he probably did football, american football in high school he's got that vibe about him i feel like he's, he's got some i feel like put him in a match with known super workers they'll elevate stock in a match but he's a decent wrestler i feel like he does it when he wants to not everyone's doing burning hammers and matches so my, my my cap is off to him austin theory i've always liked his moveset because his moveset uh, resembled that of his trainer ar fox so uh, it, it seemed like um, during the Cena feud, they stopped having him wrestle really well because Austin Fury can go in the ring. But you, you, you could be forgiven for thinking he, he sucks in the ring because for some weird reason, they've scaled back the things that were great about him. As much as I'm not a fan of him, on, on, even on the microphone, there's times when he, he showed glimmer of potential, which kind of dissipated over time. But yeah, but in this match, I really enjoyed both men wrestling. Who knows what it'll be like in the PLE uh, again, I'm baffled like you are. It seemed like, oh, they're elevating LA Knight to be number one contender. But then again, that's probably part of his journey. I, I, I call it to give him the, the to catch the uh, Darby Allen booking of like, <laughs> not yet, guys. Because for some weird reason, if LA Knight was winning every week, fans would just start saying that LA Knight's been shoved down their throat. It's, some weird, it's a weird way, guys. I think they, they're purposely having him win and not win sometimes. So that way you don't lose interest in the struggle of his journey. I think people like a, a good underdog story and his story is of, of a guy that that's traveled all around to, to make something of himself. And that's why he's over with the crowd. Very well said. Yes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's probably, and this is a total credit to them and the promos that they've done. This is probably the most I've cared about a mismatch and God knows how long. And that might just be because I'm really into LA Knight right now, but they are doing very good promo work. And I thought the shots that Miz was taking on commentary were, oh, they, they were pretty sharp. You know? Oh, the, the huge, that he, the, he called him like he's the Fandango of, 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 uh, of the moment, the Eugene of the moment. And I, I, I enjoy when wrestlers draw from history. I like it when it's very meta. I like, I like meta. I think that's part of the reason why people like the Attitude Era because it's very meta. But sometimes you can have too much meta and you get yeah. SW2000. And I still kind of like SW2000. But yeah, I like the fact that the Mrs. Um, point out that fans have rallied behind people before only for them to fizzle out. But what makes uh, LA Knight different from Fandango and Eugene is with with Fandango, again, Johnny Curtis, talented guy. I used to watch him in FCW. I, I felt like he had all the tools, the look, the charisma to be a main event star, but it just never happened for, for reasons, injury, preventing him from being international champion. But yeah, Fandango was mostly over because of his music. Even I liked his gimmick. I liked his, uh, uh, you know, his commitment to his character. Could have been a great heel. They then just didn't go all the way with him. But in terms of why he didn't progress and what where LA Knight is different is that LA Knight 
has the kind of character you can see being the main event while Fandango, I don't know. I think a ballroom dance for being a world champion could have worked because again if Undertaker could be world champion you know what I'm saying <laughs> if, if Orange Cassidy in his current run I'm talking about all companies that's me I don't go all over the place so forgive me if Orange Cassidy in his current character can elevate his stock of a belt proving that in the future he could be a world champion fighting world champion anyone can do it just about how you, you, you add that element from their character into the in-ring work but yeah, what makes him different from Eugene, obviously, is because he's not a gimmick. He's got the gift of gab. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. The only thing that's ever held him back or could hold him back is his age, is the fact that he's he's gotten there. Is it too little, too late? But again, the fans have been such a rallying cry. His T-shirts are hot. They give him minuscule stuff, but he makes it work. It takes a talented person to give him minuscule and still get it over. So that's LA Knight. So that's what makes him different. He hasn't been wholly pushed by the machine like certain people, like a Fandango who, who pinned Jericho in his first WrestleMania, like Eugene, who had a SummerSlam um, program with, with Triple H. These guys were given things while LA Knight hasn't been given things. So that makes it different. The push that LA Knight has right now is because we have rallied behind him and we're pushing for it to happen. Any guy that feuds with Bray Wyatt um, is especially doing that storyline and how it ended and to come out and to be hugely over deserves everything that's given to him positive. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you, sir. Very well said indeed. Thank you. This was when we had the first of Edge's video packages, which again, very well done. And then Damage Control came out and Bailey cut a short promo welcoming out EO Sky. And they came down to the ring for their Can They Coexist match with Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair. Now, mm -hmm. I have some thoughts. Yes, you do, sir. Because I thought this match was, was all in all pretty all right. You know. There are four very talented people. I think there is a world in which if they had this match at like a big pay-per-view or something like that, it would be a blow-away affair. There were some really clunky things in this match, like uh, like the hot tag spot gone awry, where wrestling's all about timing. It's what a lot of people struggle to, to get the hang of at first. They always hear that green people rush. It's the timing of things. It's how long do you wait? Oh, wait a little bit longer. This and that. In this case, I don't know what was going on, what miscommunication happened, but they were doing the bit where they were teasing the hot tag, where Charlotte Flair is going to crawl to the corner and get cut off so Bianca can't make the hot tag. What actually happened was Charlotte Flair got all the way to the corner had to pretend she couldn't reach Bianca because EO either forgot she was supposed to cut her off or didn't know that she wasn't supposed to tag in Bailey, who would have cut her off in her mind or whatnot. But what happened was EO made it all the way to the corner and then went all the way back to cut, cut Charlotte off. And man, did this ever look awkward. It happens, I suppose. But it, again, was, was not the best look. Uh, and then, shockingly, because I saw a lot of people doing predictions for this match on Twitter where, you know, the Can They Coexist team would break down and maybe uh, accidentally or otherwise, one of them would hit the other lead into a, a Bailey finish or an EO finish, and then that's how they would end the match. No, that's not what happened, because Charlotte hit a big boot on Bailey into the KOD, and the babyface Franken team of Charlotte and Bianca just won. Just pin damage control. That's it. After the match backstage, damage control beat up uh, Bianca Belair and 
maybe writing her off TV for a little while. I couldn't really tell how long this is going to keep her out, but they went after the injured knee, so we'll leave that for future discussion. But you know that thing that people always talk about where, oh, you don't need to give the Money in the Bank winner any wins because they're they're winning a championship, and then they're, they're over. They're at the top. I don't know where that came from. I don't from. know where that booking philosophy came from. Because Edge wasn't booked like that. Because I also go back to Edge. The guy won Gold Rush, still Money in the Bank. They, mm-hmm. they, they, he beat um, Shawn Michaels at a Rumble. I mean, yep. they were building. They were, this is before even won Money in the Bank. They they. If you want to know how to successfully book a Money in the Bank winner, watch how they, how they did for Edge. You, you give him victories. Heck, even when uh, Mr. Kennedy won, he just come up from a few of The Undertaker and Kane. And, you know, like, he they... I, I don't understand that. I've, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get, get it. it at all, bro. And it's appalling to me for this one in particular because EO has won, I believe, three matches since April 11th. One of them was Money in the Bank. Mm. The other was the cash-in. Besides that, she's won a single match in like the last four months, and she's the women's champion. You know what? I would have forgiven the outcome if Shotzi was somehow involved because all of a sudden we haven't really heard about the Shotzi storyline. Yeah, it's it like they've dropped. dropped it. I hope they haven't because another of my pet peeve is this This was the only... This this match and the segment that, that uh, went afterwards was the only uh, involvement with some of the women. They need to do better in, mm-hmm. uh, in that situation. Mm-hmm. But to go back, uh, my, uh, my earliest... Kind of they coexist match for me because in my head I was thinking what, what was the origin of the kind of coexist match, but there was one. It was 1992. The Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage had to team up because they didn't trust each other because one of them allegedly has had the service of Mr. Perfect as their manager. Because yep. of their distrust with each other, they were forced to team up and face uh, against the Nasty Boys. I'm trying to remember if it was either a wrestling challenge or superstars, but one of those matches. But that was the first ever kind of coexist match I remember as a kid watching, and I was kind of enthralled as a kid. But now I'm a bit older. Uh, the remakes are not as nice as, no. as, as it was for me as for the original ones. What I'm trying to say is, um, kind of coexist matches so dumb it's now become meta because it's kind of you can't hide it anymore because people make fun of it. Uh, if they're trying to progress a feud between Bianca Belair and Charlotte, that was not the way to go. But the fact that if they did write off Bianca, then I guess the, the, that's why they went with that result. But at the same time, don't you want a babyface Charlotte to be somehow involved in the downfall of Bianca? So when Bianca does come back, potentially as a heel. That gives her even more of a motive to be up Charlotte. So again, that's a bit confusing in that matter. Damage control was vindicated with EO's victory because up until then there were jokes. It, it, it literally came to a point where it was like, who's being fumbled, you know, worse, outcast or damage control? Mm. What's damage controls? Uh, what's their history, or lineage, or contribution going to look like in the future? Great debut at WrestleMania, um, great great debut at SummerSlam, but. Uh, great victory at Clash of the Castle, but nothing of note after that. Mm-hmm. But when EO won it, I was, I was speaking to you in the office, I'm like, EO's victory now legitimizes damage control. They got a world champion in a group, which we initially thought was going to be Bailey, but they didn't because Bianca had to hold it out for accolades. Uh, but now EO is champion. They should book her like a champion. Damage, co- damage control did look like a, a, a threat in the backstage, but we've been watching wrestling for a long time to know, oh, because they lost, they got their heat back in the backstage segment. No, they can win and have their heat back in the backstage segment. There's a reason why we love The Shield so much is because they were protected, even though a rumor had it they wanted to lose in the first match. But, uh, but afterwards, they were heavily protected. Attack people, won. Attack people, won. Attack 
people won. And guess what? They had a great legacy. And, it, and the same can happen for damage control. That that can help even more for Dakota Kai. You know, Dakota Kai needs to look like a champion as well. Because Bailey's a former champion. So Bailey can always be heated up because she's got that goodwill with the fans. Someone like Dakota needs to be part of a factional group that looks great because it makes her look great. Eel's now a champion, but you need to watch out for Dakota. She needs to look great when she comes back. So damage control should not be losing. It should invigorate them even more to be the best faction there is in, in all of wrestling. It's really odd to me looking at the women's division on SmackDown because you would think currently there's loads of top-level people that they could mix in to this uh, this mm-hmm. title scene because, mm-hmm. you know, you still got Bianca. Maybe for a little while she won't be on TV. We don't really know. But you've got Charlotte. You've got Io as champion. Bailey is looking around, and she and Io have had issues dating back forever. Mm. Who is missing from that? Currently, and over the last week or or couple since she's lost the title, where is Asuka in all this? I don't know what the deal is with Asuka. And I would think that that would be the next logical direction where it's a t- it tends to be something that they'll do where there's the quick title switch. Mm. You, you have somebody beat the champion and then the new champion gets cashed in on. Mm. So you immediately have the new champion getting cashed in on as the person that was wronged. Mm-hmm. And you can have that be the long-term story right? where they have to fight to earn their, their title shot back or whatever. But it gives you the chance to have two immediate challengers. And I would think that the next challenger for EO would be Asuka. And maybe that could be the payback match or something like that. But Asuka's not been on TV. So all we've had over the last little bit have been these kind of can they coexist things with Bianca and Charlotte. And it doesn't interest me very much. It's left the whole thing feeling a little directionless. And maybe that's just me being impatient for a couple of weeks before they set that up. But doesn't feel like they've capitalized on EO as this new champion with giving her a hot challenger and setting up a big marquee match for the next show. That, mm, it doesn't feel like they've done it. I'm thinking it's, it's, for some weird reason, I don't know, I feel like a match of the magnitude of the former Trooper Tales um, cohorts gone against one another should be saved for like a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. I agree. So, if it were up to me, that's my big women's match of the year, but I don't necessarily think that they would see it that way. There's no horse women in it, Sat. Well, with Asuka, um, to be honest, yeah, I don't mind if, for me, in my mind, if if you if you don't use Asuka, that means she's not getting booked bad. Lol. <laughs> like, so for me, it's like, if I don't see her, that means she's protected in a weird way. The more, <laughs> the more you don't see her, the more you're like, where's Oscar? What's Oscar going to do? So it builds the anticipation for her return. I don't want her to be coming out every week where they have her being a whiny or crying. Because again, we haven't seen a response since she lost the title. She's been sending that cryptic uh, uh, tweets, uh, you know, on, on going after stardom on Twitter again. She stardom kind of saying like stardom is a, is a consequence of her manifesto that she put out in, in Japan. Again, go on Twitter, type in Oscar manifesto or Kana manifesto. It's, it's a long story. It's a long story. Yeah, but uh, the character herself, Oscar, uh, I feel like with the impending news of a returning Kairi saying, I 100% see a Kabuki Warriors reunion. Mm-hmm. And also I can see, in it, see them saying, hey, it's Asuka. She doesn't work as a heel because people still like her. So they're going to gradually have her tweening and turning back into her face. Um, the way I see it is um, 
it should have been Shotzi and Charlotte. Because as, as much as we don't want Charlotte to be the face, that's how they position her. That's the role they cast her in. So it should be uh, uh, Shotzi getting the rub, teaming with arguably now their top face in the women's division. <laughs> God, what a strange statement. Yeah. So that's what I would do. You're right. They, they, they are more women, but you'd be excused to think it's, just, it's damage control, Bianca, Charlotte, and Shotzi, because those are the women that's been spotlighted. Because there's also, you know, Zelina Vega. There's also, you know, uh, Tegan Knox is somewhere. I don't know what show Tegan's on. That's how bad it is. Because <laughs> they don't showcase Zia Lee. I used to make a joke about Lacey Evans, but, you know, recently we, we found out she's no longer on the roster. So, yeah. And uh, Aaliyah apparently has been injured in. We're, we're nearly I think it's gonna be like the one year anniversary that Aaliyah disappeared because it is some, somewhat during last year she disappeared right mm-hmm. and she's been better where is Aaliyah there's so many things so many women around not used because they're doing one segment that's why it's like it's also almost also conditioning people to just expect one segment that you forget there's more women and that's how the pushings are working there's no challenges for, for EOs because they haven't pushed anyone in ages they need to change that I'll never forget, I was on a plane when I figured out that Aaliyah had won the women's titles. I was, I was just like, the guy across the aisle from me was watching Raw. Wow. And I was just, and I was like, he, he was, I was kind of like screen looking at him and everything. And he was following some reliable people on Twitter. This man had good taste. He was following backup hangman. Ibu from uh, Russell Puris. He was following Righteous Reg. So I was like, you know what? This guy's probably got good opinions. He's following good folk. And he was watching Raw. So I was just kind of like watching Raw on this short little flight I was on. And I just look over and I see that they won the tag titles. And I went, and he, he that was when he looked over. And I was like, oh, pardon me. And I was oh, like, this. what? What? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. He's like, what is that? Yeah, and that would have been coming up on a year ago. I think it was like the beginning of September or something like that. I'm sure someone in the comments will correct us. But yeah, the women's division could use a little bit of sprucing up. And we've been saying this for, gosh, and all of 2023. But no, because even like, like someone like Zia Lee, they should, do, they should be doing more with her. I just, I don't, well, that's I just, what I mean, though. Just like getting more people in the mix. It's, it's And also, because I feel like they, because we've been speaking about it for months, we notice because we got a platform to say we notice. But now it's like the crowds, we're kind of accepting. You know what it is as well? Because I have the same issue with AEW. Again, I'm bringing up, I'm bringing up women across the board. I want moving one, uh, moving just one match, just like a, a novelty segment. They should be included more often because it's talented women across the board. So when there's one complaint for one company, I have the same complaint for every company. They should do more with the women. There should be a secondary match where Shotzi is wrestling, mm-hmm. building up a new persona. Where's Aaliyah's job to her? You know what I'm saying? They should be doing some, heat someone up. Just, just Make them make people where they're around. That's what I'm saying. Just do something, something, I anything. I agree. After this, uh, we had the OC coming out and wrestling the new Vicious Street Profits. Love that title, mate. They've got their new gear. It's dark colors. I think it was like a black and blue kind of thing they had going on. Maybe some green in there. It was a good look. Also, I couldn't tell if Angelo Dawkins had the One Piece logo on his tights. Someone let me know for sure, one way or the other, if that was the case. Because it was definitely like a skull and crossbones, maybe with a bandana or something on it. I don't know, but it looked like One Piece. So let me know. This was a fairly short match. It really was just to kind of establish the Street Profits as a team with a little bit more edge to them. New finish. 
that they're going to be using because I don't think Montez Ford's going to be hitting the frog splash because it's a big pop finish yeah. mm. like he had been. My biggest takeaway from this was Kevin Patrick because my God, I don't usually pay attention to the commentary Lol. on these shows just because like I'm watching it on you know, more than regular speed because I need to write my review and everything. So most of the time, most of the commentary just kind of flies by me. But this was one where I had to be like, because it totally derailed commentary for the rest of the match because the OC, they go for some sort of combo move. It looked like they were going to do maybe like a back suplex into a neck breaker or something like that. And Kevin Patrick's like, they're going for the magic killer, which is not even close to what the magic killer looks like. The guy is flipped the completely opposite way around. It's not not even close. And Corey Graves then had to go like, oh, they didn't they didn't get all of the magic killer. They didn't get the magic killer they were looking for. And then they immediately then go to a magic killer, like moments later. It was like, but now the magic killer. And I was just like, oh God, they're trying their best to get it back. Nah, but I, I, I didn't listen to the, I didn't listen to the commentary. They Why blew I, it. No, no. Kevin Kevin Patrick blew it. But I did I did um, Michael Cole and Corey Graves did scramble to correct him that yes. that wasn't the, the, the magic killer. And I said, and they said, there's the magic killer. Yeah. That's what they did. That's what that was the line they did use. There's the magic killer. But you're right. They wasted their breath more to correct what the moveset was than to go with the flow of the match. Yeah. It was it was distracting. And it, like in a regular match, if it was like 10 minutes long, if this happened in the main event, yeah, whatever. But the fact that this match was maybe two minutes. Yeah. You know, th that became the only thing I remembered about it besides the new finish, which was Angelo Dawkins hitting his sit-out spine buster. Sky high. Sky high while Montez Ford hit a neck breaker. So it was a good little move. They got the win. Afterwards, they went up onto the stage and Bobby Lashley came out and they all kind of posed. Bobby Lashley was like, yes, big first win. There you go. I really like this. I'm going to be really interested to see how often we see Bobby Lashley wrestle with these guys if he's just being kind of moved into a manager role. I hope that's not the case because I want to mm -hmm. see Bobby Lashley in the ring. I think, you know. Lord knows how many challengers Roman Reigns is going to have in a calendar um, year mate, at this let's point. Not, let's, not even but, talk, let's not even talk about how Roman Reigns technically is not a champion anymore, just a title holder because he yeah. never defends it. I mean, yeah. And then also, uh, you know, Damien Priest money in the bank doesn't have the cojones to go and challenge Roman Reigns. What what title do you want to get? A new title that's trying to establish itself or the guy with the accolades? I want to go for the guy with the accolades, the guy with the accolades who can't yeah. beat anyone without anyone interfering. But that's a whole different story for another podcast. But uh, to go with uh, the match that we we just you, you've been just uh, reviewing, uh, Street Profits had a jobber entrance, which didn't make sense. Yeah, didn't make sense. I feel like uh, they've given him ample amount of weeks. If it was Jim Johnston back in the days, he would have given him a sketch of a theme. <laughs> he would have given him a sketch of a theme that he'd be yeah. building for the next few weeks. Yeah, he's like, here's the instrumental version. Here's a little guitar. Here's the rap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that's what Jim Johnston used to do. He's like, I don't have your songs all the way made, but you just kind of come up to the sketch of a song and I'm going to build it and I'm going to build it. And then you have version four and five of your New Street Profits feed. But yeah, they came, they they won the match and they had their old theme. The reason I mentioned their theme music is because when I when I saw that the Street Profits had a match, had a new gear, first thing I said to Tempest was, what was their music? And then this is you like, I don't remember. And when I watched the match, I was like, of course you don't remember because there was a jobber entrance. Of yeah. course. 
Of course. And then they want to match and they had their old theme. I'm kind of like, if you're going to change a group, go all the way and change them. I, I used, I loved it when, again, I'm going to reminiscent land. When Eddie Guerrero turned on Rey Mysterio and, and the following week he came out to his new dark theme. You know, that, that for me counts. It's about creating an aura and expression for a character. If they come up to the old theme, they did a Roman Reigns, you know, they kind of ruined it. They, they changed his character into the, the tribal chief, but he had his old theme into like after WrestleMania. So bizarre. Him, right? You know, I, I want to think, I want to come up with a list. And this is just what I do when I think of like two things that could be on a list. And I was like, well, there's only those two. I'll wait for even more of them. But those kind of like moments where they give the guy the music change, like right after WrestleMania or something, like Roman Reigns having the new tribal chief music after WrestleMania 37, like he beat Edge and Daniel Bryan with the shield music. And that's bananas to me. He comes out, he beats Daniel Bryan in Daniel Bryan's last WWE match with the new music. Randy Orton was the same way. Randy Orton won his WrestleMania 24 triple threat WWE championship match, beating Triple H and John Cena. He still had burning my light. He came out to voices like three weeks later. Madness. Yes. And Tell them to work a little harder. Listen, Come on, Ref Theory. That, that's, why, that's why I loved it when... Um, when Seth debuted his new film against uh, Cesaro. Yeah. Uh, and then I, in my head, yeah, when I heard the theme, I was like, that's going to be a hit at next year's WrestleMania, which I was right about. But what I was wrong was Gunter's theme didn't blow up the way I thought it did because they, they removed the original intro and put in the Imperium theme. But if mm-hmm. you had the original Gunter, the Ring and the Rock, I can hear people chanting that Gunter, bam, bam. But uh, yeah. Um, I got a list idea. I want to tell you probably off camera because you know we don't want people to steal ideas. <laughs> but I got I got one is is to do with the previous match we reviewed. But yes, um, Street Profits. Bobby Lashley looking forward to it. Bobby Lashley probably had an injury. Maybe I don't know, but maybe he's well rested and ready to get back into the ring. But how they're booking it is quite intriguing because they're not doing too much. Mm-hmm. It, it's just keeping it simple. It's a guy recruiting two guys that's you know uh, in a rut. Uh, he's giving them a makeover. We're, we're seeing a gimmick transition in real time. It's not just they, they went away and they came back with, with you know, haircuts and, and all of that. We've seen the transition, the weeks building up to what we're seeing right now. So maybe the new music will come in next week. Maybe, maybe, or the yeah. week after, or maybe never. I don't know, but I, I feel like they need a new theme because it's too up and bouncy and they're not up and bouncy anymore. They're not snarling and this isn't quiffed. And yes, give them the music that replicates the new vicious street profits. Do you think we could literally see a segment like next week or something where Bobby Lashley like has he sat down with them the same way that he has been and said, next up, it's the music. I would actually we, love. We need the new music. I'll actually pop for that. What if they like go and they do a segment at a recording studio? I would love it. As the new music's getting made. You know, you know, I would love it for many reasons. Number one, very meta. Number two, never been done before. Yeah. Never been done. You ever seen a transition in real time? A, a gimmick change as we go along. It, Actually, I think it'd be really fun, honestly. Yeah. I thought it was fun stuff on this show. It is, but the OC as well. Like, I don't like the fact that if Dave, it, it reminds me of, again, I'm reminiscent land, of uh, when legends in the 80s, they're not past it. They just become jobbers in the end. They're hercules my man right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hercules got a jobber interest in, in 982 Royal Rumble. I'm jumping all over the place, guys. I'm giving you tidbits. Write these notes down of matches I'm mentioning and, and watch them. They're great. The OC needs to be more of a threat because if you beat the OC multiple times, 
is it that special if you beat him again? They need something. It's a shame. And also me and him being part of the group, I was happy because, you know, she was neutralizing, you know, Rhea Ripley and they're just not doing much with her. She could be fighting. She could be, in a, she's another one. Yeah. yeah. There's, an, there's another woman. There's another woman. She's in a prominent spot. Scarlett is sometime as well. Like, let's, come on guys. Let's do more with women. More. More. Let, let them wrestle more. So the last thing we have to talk about here, I did think all of that was very good, by the way. Cool new look, cool new finish. It's a good start. I like this for the Street Profits. Look at that. He can be positive. Look at that. My making guy, a, my making guy. a point to be. I like stuff no, on this SmackDown. Exactly. There's just, they need to tighten I, things I, up. I have to say it loud because people, it's kind of underrated how how much you've been, you've been measured in, in how you've been uh, um, reviewing things. So that you look, look see, he, he, he likes stuff. He, I do. I do like this wrestling stuff. Backstage, Kayla was trying to get a word in with Paul Heyman because they had a scheduled. Paul Heyman will talk about the bloodline. Is the bloodline over? That was what it was being advertised as. And Kayla Braxton goes to him and says, Paul, do you have anything to say about the status of the bloodline? He's like, no. And she's like, okay, I see how this interview is going to go. And he gets upset. He says, uh, why are you not asking me about 25 years of edge? Why are you not asking me about Austin Theory p- pinning that flash in the pan LA night yeah, guy earlier on this show? Why don't we uh, why don't we talk about your family, Kayla? You don't want to talk about your family, about your mother, about your father, your cousins, blah blah blah. And she's just taking this because the best rivalry in WWE is Paul Heyman and Kayla Braxton. Lol. And then in the middle of all of this, Paul Heyman gets a phone call. We imagine it's probably one of like three people, the other three people in this storyline. And he talks to them and says, next week, Jimmy Uso will be on SmackDown. And she said, would you like to reveal your source? And he was just like, no, and walked and walked off. I think you could probably guess. I mean, he's always talking on the phone with a handful of people. Who else would this information come from? But regardless, it, it doesn't matter. It's not even a nitpick. It's just funny. Uh, I've got a slight nitpick. I'll go on. Jimmy's no longer in the bloodline. Why is he calling Paul Heyman for? That's all, that's all I've got to say. That, that's my thing. And I get it. They're using Paul Heyman to keep the storyline relevant. Sometimes it's, it's almost embarrassing how transparent it is. It's not even like Paul Heyman's not even a person. He's mm. now a storyline device just to keep the bloodline semi-interested in, in your mind. He might as well just go get Claudio back again and start spouting the, the virtues of the bloodline just to keep it in people's memory because that's what his job was. Yeah. <laughs> with with, with Brock Lesnar when Brock was gone. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I'm I'm fine with the bloodline storyline taking a back seat for a bit because again, it's great opportunity for people to step up. But at the same time, they can only step up if you want them to step up. Look what happens when you put the machine behind something. It, it can rise up. It's just about them actually rising, uh, letting people rise to the occasion and not you know stifling them. Yeah, we'll see. It was nice on this show, especially with a show so designed around one person. In this case, Edge, that he did get to be center stage you know the show is about him he gets the main event spot he gets the video packages throughout the show i think that's very very good i don't know who that's going to be week to week because they've not really been positioning anybody in particular to be like this is the storyline that is also happening on smackdown that could have been bray white if bray wasn't out with what he is out with right now 
Yeah, it could have been. Because remember last year you had, I feel like that's why I enjoyed last um, last autumn winter because you had the Bloodline and you had the intrigue of Bray Wyatt. And I felt like it was a nice little bookend where Bloodline would start off, then you had Bray end the show mm-hmm. or Bray can start the show and the Bloodline ended it. And when Bray left after January, it just became Bloodline heavy. But that's during the time when the Bloodline storyline was thriving yeah. and we didn't mind. We were like, I'll watch two episodes of the Bloodlines. Yeah. But now we've got nothing. We'll see. Maybe the bloodline will just be the main focus of the show again next week. Oh, this was just no. A that being said, that will bring our review portion of this podcast to a close. But before we get out of here, we have some very special shout outs to give those being to our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash Russell talk. If you want your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this, make sure you subscribe at the $25 and above tier. But for now, thank you very much to wheeling and dealing Steven Everett. Yeah. The Pharaoh, Steven Maza Pharaoh. Yeah. The Sole Survivor, 1993. Yeah. The Incredible Tarzo. Yeah. Keep rolling with Rick Peck. Yeah. Tony Jabroni. Yeah. Trev Dog, 316. Yeah. Commentator of the Century, Vince Phillips. Oh, Vince Phillips. It was WCW. Yeah. <laughs> Vito Ventura, pet detective. Yeah. Hey. Willie Biggie Singleton. Yeah. The Lumberjack XX Logs XX. Yeah. The Parking Lot Brawl Champion Parker King. Yeah. Thank you very much to all of our pledge hammers, especially those at the $25 and above tier. Get your own custom wrestling nickname read out by subscribing at the $25 and above tier at patreon.com forward slash Talk. That being said, that will bring this episode of the Talk podcast to a close. We will be back on Monday with our usual AEW collision review as we get ready for all in. Hot dog, one more week of shows, and then Wembley Stadium's calling our names. I'm going... I'm going to. Maybe we'll see you there if you're one of the 80,000 plus in attendance. Until then, I've been Tempest. That's been Sat. And that was wrestling. We oh. didn't do it at the start. Do it now. Oh, yes. Yeah. And also, also, join us next week. Same Sati time. Same Sati day. Same Sati channel, which is WrestleTalk Podcast. And of course, see everyone at All In. House of the Black Mask. And of course, always remember, the house always wins. Happy birthday, Mod Mother Jenna. Happy birthday to Sat's partner. And happy birthday, Pete. It's actually his birthday this time. It's not a bit. Happy birthday to all. If it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 